Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. You are good, Lord. And we worship you because you're God. There's nothing any higher than your name in this earth, Lord. Just to see the your name spelled out on the screen, Jesus, Lord, just it just looks happy and attractive to me. And I pray that your name will begin to look attractive to this world as this world sinks deeper into darkness. Lord God, let them see the bright, shining sunrise of our Savior Jesus, who is risen. Lord, today, maybe it, maybe somebody at the other end of this uh, broadcast will find you as their Savior, and maybe, maybe hundreds. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Again, for those who just tuned in, this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're going to get started here shortly, but we do have one announcement, and I did want to put it out over the air. So I'm going to ask Grace to come up. And uh, this might seem unusual, but it's really not unusual. Uh, I'm sure Grace will explain it. If she don't, I will. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Uh, like Pastor said, this might sound unusual to those who um, maybe don't know the Lord yet, but as Christians, I think that we will all understand where it's coming from. What we're going to do is we're going to have a uh, repeat performance of the Christmas musical that we did. I know a lot of individuals couldn't be here because they were either away or just couldn't make it. But I know the other day I was in my uh, kitchen and I could hear the TV and there's just so much stuff going on out there that you want to find that time and that place where you can come and just be with the Lord. I'm not ready to put away my Christmas heart. <laughs> and I know and a lot of people that I've talked to kind of feel the same way. They feel that there's just so much going on. And what better way to spend that time with the Lord and come here to Freedom Church and let's redo the Christmas musical. Let's feel it all over again. Not that we need that to, to feel God's presence, but it's a beautiful time to come together. God is with us, and we should desire with our whole heart to be near him, whatever uh, represents him in our hearts. I know that a lot of times we go through Christmas and we think it's just December. Let's just celebrate it in December. But for the Christian, it should be all year round. We shouldn't allow the world to take us to those places where we feel depressed and sad and lonely and missed our loved ones. And we are going to feel those things. It's okay. But when we feel like that, let's run to the cross. Let's run to Jesus and have him fill us up with his love. And we are his hands and feet, so we should be out there working. Let's have Christmas in our heart all year. I want to do that. I want to be able to help that individual who may be is in need of something that if the Lord has provided me with some extra, then I'll share. And even if he hasn't, I'll give my last uh, piece of bread away if I have to. The Lord did it. And we're called to be like him. We're little Christians. So moving forward, don't choose to marinate in what's going on 
in the world because it's dark right now. There's a lot of stuff happening um, politically and even in our families with deaths passing, people passing away and just reminders of things. But let's come. Let's do how that song says. Uh, come and see what God has done on that night. Choose that night to get up and don't sit in front of the TV. Come here and let's spend it together. Let's be that city on a hill that maybe all those cars that go by will see the glory of God because that's what it's all for, to glorify him. So come out and spend time with us that night. And it'll be on Friday, January 22nd, from 7 to 8.30 p.m. So please come out and join us, and I'll let Pastor Joe explain a little more. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, as I always say every year, for the Christian, Christmas is every day. And it's even while you sleep. So we just can't forget him. Who Paul told the Corinthian church, chapter 15, verse 3 and onward, he said, he said, I have a message of first importance, that Christ died according to the scriptures, he was buried, and he was risen the third day according to the scriptures. So, like, that's the message of first importance that needs to go through every church, needs to go through every country, needs to go through every continent on the face of the earth. You know, it's a message of first importance. And God says first importance, that means it's important. Okay? So, come on out. You know, we might, you'll be seeing some, maybe some little Christmas decorations before that time. But listen, um, listen, I'm not ready to give up on Christmas. You know, I had the Christmas spirit in November, and with all the junk going on, I lost it, you know? So, um, you know, I was glad to see it coming again. Yeah, okay, the 22nd, Friday, the 22nd of January, 7 o'clock to 8.30. See, that's only a couple weeks from now, so uh, just uh, put that on your calendar, would you? You're going to enjoy it. Listen, there's a lot of people that were involved in this, and they're willing to come to redo it. So that shows you where their heart is, that they have the heart to, to get the name of Jesus out there, you know, to, to live uh, for him and remember Christmas is every day for the believer and uh, we don't need to just stop it that gift that God gave for Christmas for God so loved the world he gave that's a gift it's something that that everybody needs to know and Jesus told us to make sure we go and do that and make disciples disciple is one that believes in Jesus that follows after him with all their heart so um we're, we're glad Grace wants to do it again. So, praise the Lord. Some people wait till July, have Christmas in July, and who knows, we may do it then too, you know? I want to keep uh, awake to what's really going on. It's all about Jesus. It's not about what we see in this world, because someday our lives are going to end. There's a 100% death rate, and we're all going to go that way, short of the rapture, okay? So, anyway, um, we're going to... Galatians chapter five again, and I mentioned in the beginning that this church is named after that chapter. Um, we named it Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches because a lot of Christians are in bondage, and um, we have we want uh, them to be delivered from that bondage, whether it be sin, 
whether it be some kind of addiction, drugs, alcohol, sexual, pornography. You, we want them to be delivered and set free from that. So Galatians chapter um, 5. But I'm going to go through some, just real quickly, through the first few um, few verses of um, Galatians chapter 5. This is the New American Standard. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to the yoke of slavery again. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You are seeking to be justified by the law of grace, or justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Paul is telling them that you know, you've been set free. You've been set free from, from the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Okay, he didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. And you have been set free. You no longer are subject to the Mosaic law. And you know the Mosaic law includes the Ten Commandments. Now, I know there's probably everybody in this room will admit they broke one of those Ten Commandments sometime in their life. Maybe somebody over the air thinks that you haven't broke that. But if you looked on a woman, for example, in a, in a lustful way, you have committed adultery. You know, God, the Lord made it very clear. It's not just not physically doing it. It's mentally doing it in your heart. And you have fallen short. But if you can't, if, even if you can keep those Ten Commandments, which I doubt any person on the face of the earth can do, um, there's another 603 that you have to abide by. Because there's 613 Mosaic, you know, in the 613 commandments in the Mosaic Law. So um, you you don't even know half of them, and neither do I. But you probably committed some of them, and you don't know about. It. In other words, you need to be saved by grace through faith, and that's what Paul says. If you turn to uh, chapter two, verse four, here's what Paul's telling the Corinthian, the Galatian church. But it was because of false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our freedom, which we have in Christ, in order to bring us into bondage. They were set free by, from bondage through Christ. You don't have to obey the, well, you will want to obey the Ten Commandments, and you will want to obey the Mosaic Law, but you aren't saved by that law. He tells them in the third chapter, verse 1 and 2, listen, Here's Paul. He's so disappointed. He planted this church by grace, you know, on the, on the subject of grace, that God saves us. Christ riches at Christ's expense is the acrostic for grace. Christ riches at um, God, acrostic grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. So what happened to them? They drifted away from the freedom that, that they got. They didn't have to obey the Mosaic law. 
anymore. They didn't have to be, to be a Christian, you didn't have to obey the Mosaic law, but, but some of the Judaizers, the legalists, the religious people came in and they say, oh no, you need to be circumcised. You Gentiles who aren't circumcised, you need to be circumcised like us Jews. Well, remember, the, jo- the circumcision in the Old Testament was a cutting away of the flesh. Okay, now we, you know, the law is spiritual. That's what Paul says in, in this book, actually. You know, the law is spiritual. Listen, you are a spiritual Jew because God cut away the flesh from your heart once you became a Christian. It wasn't, it was spiritual circumcision that happened to you when you were born again. God circumcised you, cutting away the flesh from your heart so that you would be like he explained to Nicodemus, you know, which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. But in the third chapter of Galatians, here it is, Paul so upset because these Judaizers came in, and they told him, you have to follow the whole law in order to become a Christian, and it's not true. You have to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as, and, and that's it. Listen, so in the third chapter, here's what Paul says. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you are now being perfected by the flesh? He is upset. He's got, I mentioned last week, he put on his war paint. He said, listen, I'm upset. You were saved by grace. You don't have to be circumcised. How can you be so foolish? You, you were saved by grace, and now you want to tie yourself into bondage again. Listen, Jesus saved us by grace. We, don't, we, we have been set free. You are free. You know what? If you want to come to church wearing you know, uh, with uh, long pants, if you're a lady, then you're welcome to wear, wear long pants. You know, if you want to come to church and, and, you know, they have a law that, you know, you can't dye your hair, I'm sorry, you've been set free from that. You know, if you want, if, if the Jews came in and said, these men, they have to be circumcised, no, you've been set free from that. They were circumcised in their heart. Because the Mosaic law is a shadow of things to come. You'll find that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. You know, it's a shadow of things to come. You've been saved by grace. He's telling them, listen, listen to this. Who has bewitched you? You know what he's saying? There's a demonic force behind this. He wants to tie you into bondage again. And Jesus told the Jews or the scribes and Pharisees, he said, you, you make yourself proselytes, and then you teach them to be twice the sons of hell that you are. You won't even carry that load yourself, but you'll put it on them. We've been set free from that. If, you, if I wanted to come to church, and I won't do it, but come into church and preach on a Sunday message in shorts and sandals, I'm not going to do it. But if I go down to the beach, you know, I just might do that. The point is, I'm set free. I wear a suit and tie, or I kind of put either a dress shirt or a tie or a vest and a tie or a jacket because, you know, people have a tendency to follow their pastor. And I don't want you to come in really with 
sandals and you know I mean not, not, don't take that personally <laughs> you know I don't really I want I don't want you to come in too far down you know so we'll lift the standard up a little bit um, are you so foolish who has bewitched you there's a demonic force behind it I even prayed it this morning in my prayer in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 and onward you know our struggle is not against flesh and blood it's against rulers and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places listen this wickedness this bewitching spirit came in and tried to put them into bondage so that they're so far into bondage they don't see Jesus anymore they were blinded by 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 religiosity and legalism chapter 3 verse 1 through 3 if we go to chapter um, to chapter 5 and verse 13 we didn't read it yet you were called to freedom brethren only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another here's Paul telling the Galatian church you were called to freedom when you got saved, you were set free. You're not to take up the yoke of bondage again. You know, when we, were, when we were sinners, we were in the yoke of bondage to sin, whatever that sin may be. Multiple sins, most likely. We were in bondage to that. But now we've been set free. So why would we want to go back into bondage? It's like you were in jail, Jesus set you free, but then you want to go back to jail. Why would you want to do that? Nobody that I know would want to do that. So, this is what Paul, he's got his war paint on. He is upset. Verse 6 of chapter 5, uh, we just read it. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. So, whether you're circumcised or not, you know, whether you're a man, they're talking about physical circumcision here, Paul is. He's talking, well, if you're a man, whether you're circumcised or not, you know, it's not about that. It's Jesus' righteousness. It's Jesus, you're saved by faith, working through love. Because you fell in love with Jesus, you accept him as your Savior, and now you've been set free. And you don't, no longer, for if you're a man or a woman, you have just been circumcised in your heart. Because no longer is this world so exciting to you. You know, you're told by Paul, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, that's what happened to us. You know, it's no longer works. It's grace. It's justification through grace. So, Ephesians 2.89, you know, I always tell everybody, you interpret Scripture by Scripture. You don't interpret Scripture by Webster's Dictionary you know, or, or the, the Merriam's uh, synopsis or whatever that's called. The, um, oh, gee. You know, when you seek a word that, and you're looking for another word that means the same thing. Trisaurus. There you go. I got this mind block here for a second, which happens a little bit. Listen. You interpret Scripture by Scripture. So if you back up what Paul says by other Scripture, like in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, you know, by grace you are saved through faith. That's what it says here. But faith working through love. You're saved by faith working through love. So Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. 
So even if you could, even if you could and you cannot, uphold all 613 of the Mosaic laws, okay, if you can, then, then, and even if you could, You can't be saved. What Paul's saying in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is you can't be saved by your, of your own self. It's not of yourself. It's a gift from God. So salvation is a gift from God. Freedom is a gift from God. Paul tells Titus, he says, he saved us, Jesus saved us, not on the basis of the deeds you've done in righteousness. If you could uphold those 613 laws, it's not on the basis of you doing that that you're saved. You're saved by grace through faith. He saved us not on the basis of the deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. And that's circumcision. You have just been circumcised in the heart. Because God doesn't look on the outward appearance. You know that from Daniel chap- or 1 Samuel chapter 15. God doesn't look at the heart. He, tell- he reminds Samuel, when I- you go anoint this king, do not look at his stature. So, you know, when he went to, to uh, David's father's house and got his sons and he saw this big guy there, good looking, he thought, well, surely he's going to be anointed. And nope, went down through all the sons. And he said, you've got to have somebody else's son because God told me that one of your sons will be anointed and these ones weren't, aren't to be anointed. Where, you have another son? Oh, yeah, he's just a little punk out in the field. You know, he's nothing. Call him in here. And sure enough, Samuel looked at him and say, this ruddy little kid, you want me to anoint him king? Well, the people anointed Saul king because he was big, he was a stature above everybody else, he was good-looking, he was even humble. The people chose him because of the outward appearance. God chooses by the heart within the person. And people today still don't understand that. You saved us, Jesus saved us, not on the basis of the deeds you have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, the cutting away of the flesh, and renewing by the Spirit. And that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And then go, God, or Paul tells the Galatian church again in chapter, 20, in chapter 2, verse 21. It's important. Chapter 2, and verse 21, Paul is saying... I do not nullify the law of grace. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Paul was saying, listen, let us reason together. Let's use common sense. I, Paul, do not nullify the law of grace. If you could get saved by your good works, then Why did Christ come? I do not nullify the law of grace. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. And I tell everybody, you think God is that naive or stupid 
to come and die for you and be beat up like he was drastically beat up as you saw in the Passion of the Christ, if you saw that movie. If that, believe me, according to the scripture, that is, every, the people were saying that was a gross portrayal. That was nothing compared to what the scriptures say it happened to Jesus. It said he was marred beyond belief in Isaiah. He's marred beyond belief. You couldn't even recognize him as a person. And he came to do that if you could get saved by good works. Come on, God's a little smarter than that. I mean, he put the universe together. What's with his word? So we can't nullify the law of grace. Paul was saying, you can't get saved by obeying the 613 commandments or even the 10 commandments or whatever you do by grace. You know, you go to church, you clean the toilets, you're not saved by that. You could go to church, you can give a million dollars in the basket, and that's the only million dollars you have. If you don't, aren't saved by faith through Jesus, it, it, those good works are just nullified. James chapter 2 and verse 11, I believe it is, it says, if you, if you obey the whole Mosaic law and fail in one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. You're guilty of the whole thing. Let me read it to you. James chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law, the 613 commandments, okay, and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. You're a sinner. God's not going to let sin in his kingdom. Give me, a glass, give me a bottle of Zephyr Hills water right now, and I'm going to put a drop of urine in there for you, and then I'll see if you drink it. You won't drink it, and neither will God. If there's any sin in your life that has not been cleansed, he will not let you in his kingdom because his kingdom is pure, and his light drives out all darkness, and that sin is darkness, and you won't make it. You'll make it by grace through Jesus Christ. On the back table... You know, I have this flyer that I made up years, years ago. Justification. What is justification? Justification is, I gave a little sample, and there's an example on the table back there. Justification. If you think of a shepherd, he has a whole flock of sheep, okay? The mama sheep bears a little sheep, but he dies in birth. Then there's another sheep that bore a sheep, but the mama dies in birth. So the, so the shepherd has a problem. He has a mother without a baby ewe lamb. He has a ewe lamb without a mother. So he takes the little ewe lamb and takes it over to the mother who lost her sheep, and the mother sniffs the baby and just walks away. Just walks away. The shepherd's going like, why is that? Well, she recognized that it was not her own. So he gets his brainstorm. He takes the little dead ewe lamb, skins it, throws the skin over the other little baby lamb, the ewe lamb, and then he takes the ewe lamb and presents it to the mother sheep, and she sniffs it and says, that's my sheep. And she nurses it. And that's what God has done for us. He has wrapped us, when you accepted Jesus, received him as your Savior, he wrapped you in his, clo his, his clothes of righteousness. And if we were presented before, before God without that robe of righteousness, he would just sniff us and say, this aroma is not good to me. But once we come to the Lord with, with, the, with the righteousness of Christ over us, he, he smells our aroma and he says, that's my child. 
because we've received Jesus as a Savior. Here's Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with his robe of righteousness. That is justification. And it's beautiful when you think about it. Well, what is justification? Here's justification has three, three divisions to it. There's three types of justification. Number one is positional. Because, now I'm going to name them all three. Positional, progressive, and perfected. Justification. Professional, let's see, positional sanctification is you are have the position of a saint of God because you've received Christ as your Savior. Your position is... You are sanctified because you believe in the Son of God. That is your position before God. If you haven't had Jesus in your life, your position to, to God, you aren't sanctified by his grace. So there's positional sanctification. Those who believe in Jesus have been positionally sanctified. Before God, our position is we are a saint of the Most High God through Jesus Christ who saved us. Then there's progressional sanctification. As we walk through this life, we're supposed to be progressing in our sanctification. If you were once an alcoholic, you should have got rid of the alcohol. If you were once a drug addict, you should be getting rid of the drugs. If you were on pornography you need to get rid of the pornography that's positional you're to grow up you're to grow in progressional sanctification that's because you know when we get into this chapter a little bit deeper you're going to see that the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh and that's what we got going on right now all of us that are breathing right now we have we have progressional sanctification our body wants to do this thing our, but our spirit wants to do that thing, and there's a war going on right, right within us every day. And you know that that's true. Even Paul said, said that he, 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 what he wants to do, he doesn't do. He doesn't understand it himself. And then there's perfected sanctification. And that is when you know, we leave this earth and we stand before the Lord. We have inherited a perfected sanctification through Jesus Christ. And God sniffs us, and he smells the aroma of his gorgeous son, Jesus Christ, and he says, welcome into my kingdom. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Isn't God good? And you know what? Once you get saved and you believe in God, all, and as I say it, you know, all the time, You'll do more good by accident than you will ever by trying in your flesh to do righteous things. You'll just live righteous. The Lord will, you'll be serving the Lord. You'll love him so much. It's like your daddy. When your daddy and mommy told you to do something when you were a kid, you went and did it because you loved them. I know when you got a teenager, you may have rebelled a little bit, but that's where the world is today. I think we rebelled. A lot of the world has rebelled. Every day I goes by, I wish I would have listened to my earthly father more. And every day that goes by, I wish that I listened to my heavenly father more. Because I want, we, we need to progress in our sanctification before the Lord. And you could, since you're backing up scripture with other scripture, like, you know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, by grace you're saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And not only has he saved you by, by he saved us, not according to our righteousness, but, a, but, but according to his mercy. And since God does not nullify the law of grace, you can interpret 
scripture by scripture, and the scripture says the other things like, this is the testimony, this is the record that God's gave you eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. And I progress, I mean, I magnified that so that you would know you need Jesus to get to heaven. And there's other other scriptures like God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who would ever believe in him will not perish but have eternal life then there's more scripture he says truly truly I say to you he who hears my words and believes on him who sent me has eternal life and does not enter into condemnation oh boy the scriptures are full of good news Paul saying what has happened to you Galatians you started in the spirit, and now you're saying you're perfected by flesh? Our flesh is wicked. So Paul's giving them a, Paul's giving them a gentle rebuke in chapter 7. Look at this. Up on the wrong chapter. Chapter 7, verse 7 of chapter 5 of Galatians. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He was telling him, this is a gentle rebuke. You were doing good. And some of these people came in and they ruined it for you. They put you back into bondage and you believe it. He's saying, you know, you were running well in obeying the truth. How did you become so foolish? Who bewitched you? There's demons behind this. There's demons behind legalism and religiosity. I'm not saying go. Paul says... What should I say then? Should I continue in sin that grace may abound? And then he answers himself, God forbid, may it never be. I think that's uh, Romans 6.1. You know, we, we who received the Spirit, um, for me it was 43 years ago, over 43 years ago, I received the Spirit. And I haven't been in bondage since. There's some certain sins in my life I had a long, hard time, you know, f- getting free from. <coughs> but thank God through progressional sanctification he got me out of it he says you know that you have fallen from grace that doesn't mean you're not saved what he's saying you moved yourself down to a lower position I think that scares a lot of people you've fallen from grace no it's saying you, you've been set free why, why did you Put yourself willingly into bondage. They were doing well until the Judaizers came in and told them that they need to be circumcised. And then after they were circumcised, they probably said, well, then you need to, you need to obey the Sabbath and you need to be there from you know, Friday night at, at, uh, at dark at dinner till Sunday night at dinner or Saturday night at dinner. You know, it's putting them back into bondage. If your donkey falls in a ditch, you've got to leave him there. I'm sorry. No, it's, you've been set free from that stuff. Verse 8. This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. In other words, it didn't come from God. God called you, and it has not come from God. A little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump of dough. He's saying, you know, leaven in the scripture is representative of sin. Okay. You put leaven in bread and it rises. Why do you think at Passover it was the unleavened bread? 
There's no representation of sin in the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That Lamb that was sacrificed. It didn't come from God. The info you received was from religiosity, your Judaizers. And, and they have bewitched you. There's a demon behind it. I'm not the guy to say there's a demon behind every tree. But you've got to watch out just in case there is. Because he comes like an angel of light in America. Over in Africa, in the dark jungles, the devil's right out in the open. But in America, he comes more sophisticated. He comes like an angel of light. In America, we draw him up as a little red man with a pointy tail and a red pitchfork, and he's all red, and he's just a little cartoon character. Believe me, he's a fierce, wretched, disgusting creature. He comes like an angel of light, but he's nothing but a... Jesus told us he's like a serpent and a scorpion. He comes like a, a roaring lion. It says, listen, you've got to pay attention to that verse. He comes like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. Jesus shattered his teeth and crushed his claws and pulled them out at the cross. Colossians 1 tells us that. He made an open spectacle over him, of him, triumphing over him through the cross. That means all the people, even today, 2,000 years later, know that the devil has been defeated. But we can let them in. And what happened here in, in Galatia was that these, you know, that they led him into the church. And Jesus, or Paul is writing to the Galatian churches. It's not just the church of Galatia. It's the whole country, all the churches within Galatia, Philippia, Philippi, uh, um, Laodicea, and um, all the churches that are in, in Galatia. And they passed this letter around. So legalism was spreading throughout the church, and Paul was saying, I'm, I'm disappointed in you. You should have known better. And that's the same thing today. With churches that have adopted legalism and religiosity, you know, it's, it, it's not to be. It puts you back into bondage. If you really love the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you, you will be changed, and people won't even recognize. You won't like your old habits. You, you'll hate them. There'll be so much conviction on you, not condemnation, conviction on you, that you will try to get out of it as fast as you can. Verse 10, I have confidence. Look at this. Verse 10, I have confidence in you. In the Lord. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his own judgment, whoever he is. Pretty much tells you that Paul doesn't know who this person is or persons are, but he's saying God will take care of it. But he has faith in them that they will turn around, that they will realize, why would I want to go into bondage when I was already set be free by Christ? He's confident. Because he started out in chapter in verse one, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm. In other words, keep on. After all that you could do to stand, stand firm. Therefore, Ephesians chapter six, we need to keep on standing. Don't let this stuff enter into our life. They were returning people to 
to uh, Judaism again, saying basically they're boiling it down. You've got to be a Jew in order to be saved. No, you've got to be a believer in Jesus in order to be saved. Verse 12, I wish those who were troubling you would, would blank themselves. Let me see. This is verse 12. I wish those who are troubling you will mutilate themselves. That's the New American Standard. The New Century Version says, I wish they would castrate themselves. You know, Paul's, he's got his war paint on. He's upset. The Darby says this, cut themselves. I wish they would cut themselves. The Revised Standard Version says, I wish they would cut themselves off. The New Living says, I wish they would mutilate themselves. Paul's saying in the New Young's literal translation, the New King James and the King James Version says, I wish they would cut themselves off. You know, I looked in a dictionary and I found out what emasculate means because a New American Standard says emasculate themselves. It says they spayed or they're neutered. But I like this one best. Fruitless. Barren. I wish those who were troubling you would be fruitless. In other words, that their efforts are in vain. That's what I really believe it means. But Paul's got some strong words here. Paul was like the Lord Jesus. He was strong about what he, what he preached. And Paul is just like him. You know, he's preaching. He's saying, this is bad news. I wish, it's not wishing a curse on them. Paul's saying, since they defigure the gospel, then he's praying that they be disfigured. They disfigure the gospel. Anybody in religiosity or legalism is disfiguring the gospel because you are saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, and gifts are free. Gifts are free. You don't have to do anything. You just have to receive it, as you well know. You just came through Christmas. If, uh, if your daughter gave you a gift, you had to take it. Because if you didn't take it, it's still in your daughter's hand. Well, God gave you a gift. If you didn't take it, it's still in God's hand. You have to receive it. You have to take it. You have to open it up. He gave you Jesus. You have to take Jesus into your heart. You have to open him up. And he's going to open you up to all the spiritual things that are happening. Verse 13, for you were called the freedom, brethren, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Listen, in B.C. times, you were in bondage and enslaved by our own lusts and sins. In the New Testament times, we are set free from sin. But Paul's saying, don't abuse your grace. Just because you're saved by grace, then then why do you continue in pornography? If you are saved by grace, then, then why do you continue doing drugs? If you're saved by grace, then why do you continue having a relationship with a neighbor next door who is not your spouse? He's saying those kind of things to you. You, in other words, don't abuse your grace. But a lot of people say, oh, I'll just commit that sin. And I'll just go to God, ask him, forgive me, and it's all over. Boy, I'll tell you what, you don't know what love is if you can do that. Now, you might have uh, bondage that drives you back. If you're, hooked at the, if you're hooked on crack, chances are, you, you know, sometimes God will deliver you like that. 
and sometimes you have to work your way through it. Or you have to try, at least try, to get through it. You are set free from sin. Our sin right today, here, here's what your sin does. It kills your joy. It destroys your relationships. It destroys families. It messes up your children. I know parents that actually smoke joints in front of their kids. I had to separate my children from, from those those kids. And they would go over to their house, and their dad would sit out in the back and smoke a joint right in front of the kids or teenagers. So what do they think? It's okay to do it. Well, my son wasn't allowed to go over that house. It messes up our children. Husbands, if you're cheating on your wives and your son knows it or daughter knows it, it messes them up. It results in even mental frustrations. Sin brings illness and even stress on, on us. So why get tied up into this bondage? Or why, why do it? You, through love, you serve one another. That's what I like. When we first opened this church, you know, we used to have people would walk in the back door, and I used to watch them. You know, they'd go down the line. There'd be 10 people back there, and they'd go down the line hugging, giving each other a holy kiss. And I'd say, wow, we love one another. Through love, serve one another. As the years go on, of course, that drifts away. People leave. We got to get back to love. Through love, serve one another. Don't, you're called the freedom, brother, and don't use your freedom as an opportunity to sin. But through love, serve one another. Now, COVID kind of stole that away from us. I'm afraid to hug people. I'm a hugger, you know. I like to give people a holy kiss. But, I'm afraid to do that now because I don't know what you're thinking, you know. And, it, you know, the devil's just running rampant through the church. I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying I'm, I'm heartbroken over it. A lot of churches still aren't even meeting, I understand. And if they are, you know, um, they're, they're at half staff or less. The Word of God doesn't say, you know, it says, let us not, uh, let's see, let us uh, not, not forget to assemble ourselves together, but encourage one another all the more until the day draws you near. We're to encourage one another. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Dr. Dr. Fauci or whatever his name, he said, don't assembly together. Governors say, don't assembly together. God says, assembly together. Be careful. Be cautious. That's all. Don't consider yourself more important than others. If you're, if you're worried about it, I don't hug because I don't know what to do. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know who I've been around, but I cover my shelf in Psalm 91.1, like I said earlier, my puppy's got lost in the shadow. You can't see him. If you get tied up so tight to dwell in with the Lord and abide in the shell, shadow of the Almighty, the enemy cannot see you. So, with all this legalism in the church, I know churches, you can't have a tattoo. The ladies can't wear pants. You, it's, the, you know, you're not allowed to have a hat in church. You know, 
You know, you can't wear makeup, some of the ladies. Your shorts are a no-no for ladies. Dyeing your hair is a no-no. Cutting your hair off, you know, you're supposed to let your hair grow. That's a no-no. Eating pork, eating lobster, all these things. No, you've been set free from all that. Peter experienced that when God dropped the sheet down from heaven in chapter 10 of uh, Acts. He said, take Peter and eat. And Peter says, all these foul animals and good animals went there and he says, I never put anything in my mouth that was unclean. And God says, what I have cleansed, let no man put in, the, you know, no man say it's dirty. You have been saved. You have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. And then what happens? The men from Cornelius' house, the Roman Gentile centurion, sends for Peter because he saw an angel because he was a devout man. And Peter knew exactly what God was going to do. The Holy Spirit spoke to Peter. He said, you go with him. And they went there, and he preached the gospel to the Gentiles, and there's the Gentile Pentecost. Not only was there a, a, a Jewish Pentecost, you know, a Jerusalem Pentecost, but there was a, a Gentile Pentecost a few weeks later at Cornelius' house when Paul or Peter preached, and the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. God just cut away the flesh from their heart, and they were just spiritually circumcised. Don't give it an opportunity for your flesh. Adultery's not okay. Sodomy's not okay. Idols are not okay. Stealing is not okay. Pride is not okay. Hatred is not okay. If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. You'll do your best. You're going to fail. But you're saved by grace. But next time, hopefully you won't fail as bad. Our freedom is found in Christ alone. That is it. Our salvation is in Christ alone. And it's sure and it's valid. You've got to cling to him in steadfast faith, not into legalism, or religiosity. You've got to cling to Jesus. That's what believe means. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 16, 31, and you shall be saved. That word believe means adhere to, trust in, rely on. Adhere to means take the super glue and glue yourself to him. Trust in him. If he says you can hide in the shadow of the Almighty, if he says trust in me with your whole heart and lean not on your own understandings, then you, you can do that. Trust in him. Rely on him for everything. For the whole law, verse 14, is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know what that word is, right? Love. Love. We've got to love one another. Yet churches and even people within churches bicker at one another. Listen, you might disagree with somebody on one issue, but one of you is wrong, but the foundational issue is Jesus Christ, him crucified, him dead, him buried, and him risen the third day according to the Scripture. That's your common ground. Just because we believe different on certain other issues, listen, somebody's wrong, that's it. And wrongness don't get you in heaven unless, uh, out of heaven, don't kick you out of heaven unless you, you're wrong and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. What God has cleansed, let no man consider unholy anymore. 
said God to Peter. Verse 15, if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. In other words, don't be at odds with one another within the local church or even the church as a whole around the world. Don't devour your brother in, in another church because you don't he don't believe like you. Go to the foundational issue. Do you believe Jesus Christ saves you from your sin? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how you're saved. You know what? We were, were almost had to move from here about a year or two ago, and um, and I went to a, I looked around at other churches because I couldn't find a building for us, and anyway, all that fell through, as you will can tell. We're still here, but I went out to this one church out the road, and it was a denominational church right here on High Paluxo Road. I went out and met the pastor, and he, he, I told him what we might have to move. Could we possibly use your church, you know, as, as meeting place? And he said to me, I only have one condition. That you believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And that was a denominational church. And I said, we have no problem. We have no problem. Because Jesus is the only way to heaven. You know how I know that? He said so. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Okay? And not only that, but I can back that up with other scriptures. And you know them as well as I do. You know, there's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. That's it. The common ground is the verse I started with, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Paul talks to the church. He says, I have a message of first importance that Christ died according to the scriptures, that Christ was buried, and Christ is risen the third day according to the scriptures. That is the foundation of the Christian church. You speak in tongues and I don't, or I do and you don't, is no reason to divide. Verse 16, but I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Listen, that's the truth. If you walk in the Spirit, the Spirit isn't going to fight with himself. If the Spirit's in this other person over here, he isn't going to fight with him because you have like spirits. And that's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. Christ set us free from this evil world, says Galatians 1, chapter 4. Galatians 2.20 tells us that we cannot live a Christian life, but Christ lives in us. Here's what Paul said in that in King James Version of Galatians chapter 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Does that make sense to you? Well, you know that you're a triune being. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Let the God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit soul and body be preserved complete until the coming of Christ. He's saying, I don't live anymore. My spirit came alive. Your spirit was dead until you accepted Jesus. And the flesh was cut away from your heart. And the spirit man came to life. And now the spirit man is fighting with the, the, the soul man. And you, know, and you know why? So that you don't do the things that you want. So the Holy Spirit puts conviction on you, again, not condemnation, conviction, so you can't stand it. You say, I've got to break this relationship off. I've got to quit doing drugs. 
I love the Lord too much. You're not living anymore. You're supposed to be dead. You are crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live. It's Christ that lives in you. That's what Paul says here. I, nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But he's dead. The spirit man is alive. The soul man and the flesh man is dead. You're a triune being, body, soul, spirit. Your spirit man came alive. You were born again, just like Jesus told Nicodemus. You must be born again, or you won't even see the kingdom of heaven. Galatians 3.13, Paul tells us that we've been delivered from the curse of the law. We know that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. being He was made a curse for us, because cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. He says in verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit means you will naturally not fulfill the lust of the flesh because the Spirit is leading you. The Holy Spirit will convict you concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. If you walk in the flesh, you will fulfill the works of the flesh. You've got to walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your helper, Jesus told us in John chapter 14. He's your helper. He will teach you. He will bring to you all the remembrance of every word that Jesus said. So you walk in the Spirit. tells you that the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit influences you for, for in sin sensitivity. The Holy Spirit influences us and repatterns our lives. A person walking in the Spirit will look and act a lot like Jesus. And you will hear people say to you in the grocery store, what is different about you? Well, you're a child of God. He will teach us about Jesus. Here's a, under, a principle we must understand, and I already touched on it, verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. See, the spirit man came alive when you were born again, and now the spirit man and the flesh man are crashing. They're clashing with one another. The spirit man's saying, get rid of those drugs. The spirit man's saying, quit living with that girlfriend. The spirit man's saying, you're no longer a homosexual. And there's war going on. And the spirit, the, the soul man's got to submit to the spirit man because the spirit man is in charge once you're saved. The soul man no longer is in charge because he, he was the one directing you for the, like my life 27 years prior to my salvation. He directed me for 27 years, and I did all kind of stupid, dumb, idiotic things that could have ended me up in jail or dead. But you know now, the Spirit's in me, and he says, Joe, don't do that. Some of those things I love to do. I had to get rid of it. It took me years to get rid of alcohol. It took me about one minute to get rid of taking the Lord's name in vain. I was in bondage to alcohol. We even know that our new nature is different. And we want to change. The flesh wars against the spirit we know that Jesus told us or Paul told us in Ephesians that our struggle is not against flesh and blood First, 2 Corinthians 10 4 and 5 says 
Um, let me let me turn there because I lost my thought on it. I know it well. First Corinthians ten. I'm going to start in the third verse actually. Second, second Corinthians. Pages are too thin. Second Corinthians ten three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of forces. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are not ready to punish all disobedience, whether you obey, obey obedience is whether your obedience is complete. He's telling you, you know, there's a war going on, and you don't fight it with normal weapons like a gun or a spear or a knife. You fight it with the word of God. The flesh wars against the spirit. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal; they're mighty through God. They pull down strongholds. They cast down imaginations, everything that exalts itself against God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 tells us to put on the full armor of God. When you go into battle with the enemy, of the war that's going on in your soul, you have to have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the, the helmet. Did I say helmet? You've got to have the helmet of salvation. You've got to have the... the your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have to have the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. You don't march into battle without it. You should be wearing it every day. Put on the full armor of God. And I challenge everybody all the time, show me a scripture where it says to take off the armor of God. You can take off your breastplate of righteousness and go to the, the gentleman's club. You just took off your breastplate of righteousness and you just opened yourself up to the enemy. Some of the vital organs are there, and he can wipe you out with it right there. He can destroy your marriage, your family, your life, even your own mental status. Because he, that's what he does. And it says in, in um, I think it's Isaiah 59, it says, When God goes into battle, he puts on his helmet of salvation and his, his uh, breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to tell you what, if God goes to battle, he puts on his helmet of salvation and his breastplate of righteousness, you better too, too. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We still have the sore of the sin nature, and we still are battling with one another, but in it all, at the end, we have our perfected sanctification because we have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But if you're led by the Spirit, verse 18, you are not under law. We're led by the Spirit. We don't have, we're not under law anymore. We're under grace. We're under grace. Talks, Paul's telling us we've been set free from the Mosaic law. And if you, if you walk in the Spirit... If you walk in the Spirit, if we walk in the light, then you're walking in the light. 
because in him is no darkness at all. And in our spirit man, there's no darkness. He's the one that's saved. He's the one that sanctifies you. But the war goes on between the soul and the flesh coming against the spirit. And your spirit man's got to take control of the soul man. And we gotta, we got to tell what to do. Take a hike. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be gone from me, you evil thought, you temptation. And he goes on into the fruits of the Spirit, which is the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. Look at adultery. You know these things. It's the Spirit, the... Uh, the works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lavishness, idolatry, wrath, which also includes witchcraft. And you can look up the word that uh, the word there um, in Greek that is wrath is actually pharmakia, which actually means drugs and alcohol. Strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings. Some of those are, are religious sins. Some of them are social sins. Some of them are personal sins. But the Spirit, of course, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and meekness and temperance and self-control. You know, even the prodigal son figured it out in Luke chapter 15 after a while. After he's eaten corn husks in with the pigs, he finally figured out it's time to go home. Some of you are wallowing in the mud. Isaiah 40, one, or 40 verse 1 says that you need to put your feet back on solid rock again. He drove you up out of the miry pit and put your feet on a solid rock. And there's some of you out there that, are, that aren't walking in stability right now, and you need to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 24, when did here? Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. I ask you, have you crucified the flesh with your passions and its desires? Are you still doing things that you did before you were saved? Crucified flesh means that Jesus lives and he reigns in you. Like Paul said, I live, yet not I. Christ is living in you. You were crucified with Christ. You're supposed to be dead. The only thing about a dead sacrifice or, or a living sacrifice, which we are, is because we can crawl off of that altar. We need to get back on the altar. The cross is death, means death. If you when if you take up your cross, that means you died to yourself. Colossians 3 3 says, I'm crucified with Christ, yet not I live. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, Paul goes on to say. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. You've been emancipated from the proclamation of, of uh, the Mosaic Law. You've been set free. That's the message of this chapter. Emancipation of proclamation from Paul. You've been set free. And since you're set free, you're going to serve God with all of your heart. Because you love him, you're going to do more good than you ever would in the flesh. You have been set free. If any of you slipped back, it's time for you to come back to the Lord. I mean, 
There's some of you that slipped way back off, and, and I mean, there's some of you that just slipped off in a certain area, and this altar is always open for you. I'm going to read James chapter 5 in the last two verses, and that's how you can remember it. Last two verses of the book of James. Chapter 5. One page too far. Here we go. Verse 19 and 20, the last two verses of this chapter. My brethren, if any of you strays from the truth, that's Jesus, and you took something else as your God, whether it be an idol, drugs, alcohol, pornography, homosexuality, whether you're out there over the air, my brethren, if anyone... If any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So this message tells you that you've been emancipated from the proclamation of uh, legalism and religiosity. And if you have, you have strayed from the truth. And you need to come back. You need to get rid of your legalism, your religiosity, your drugs, your alcohol. You don't go around bragging about you're homosexual or you have, you're cheating on your spouse. You don't do that. That means to tell you that you need to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to set your feet back on a solid rock once again. You need to repent. Actually, Acts 3.19 says this. Repent and be baptized that that you might receive remission of your sins and the peace of God will once again settle on you. So for those of you out there, come back to the Lord. For those of you here, this altar is open. So let me pray. For those of you that don't know the Lord and need Jesus or backslidden, uh, just pray this prayer right after me. And do it with all your heart, because it means nothing if you do it with flesh. It means nothing. Do it with your heart. Let your heart feel it right now. And pray. Say, Father, I slipped away. I strayed from the truth. I got myself into legalism, religiosity, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, name it. And I need you back. I strayed from your truth. I want to come back to you. Forgive my sins. Bring a time of refreshing back to my life from the error of my way. And I know that you will save my soul and cover a multitude of sins. I ask this in the name of my Savior Jesus with all of my heart. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. The altar's open. I love you all.